0: The boss. the one you take
1: to bed with you. I knew it. I knew it. I always knew you had beautiful hands. I used to tell people, Frank, didn't I used to talk about his hands?
0: Who the hell did you ever mention his hands to?
1: I mentioned his hands to plenty of people. You
0: never mentioned it to me. Hand me an emery board.
1: I always talk about your hands, how they're so soft and milky white.
0: No, you never said milky white. I
1: said milky white! (laughs) Scissor. Don't hand them to me with the point facing out! I'm sorry. You're sorry? I'll try to be more careful. I hope so. Georgie, oh. <laughs> Georgie, would you like some jello?
0: Why'd you put the bananas in there? George likes the bananas! So let him have bananas on the side! All right, please! Please! I cannot have
2: this constant bickering. Stress is very damaging to the epidermis. Now, I have an important photo session in the morning. My hands have got to be in tip top shape. So please keep the television down
0: and the conversation to a minimum.
1: But Georgie, what about the jello?
3: I'll take it to my room. Wait, You gotta slow down, Chris. You gotta slow way down. Did
0: you say your name is Jim? Or uh, it's well it's both actually. Um my uh,
3: when we're going off, you know, used to always say, hey, you can have this one. He's a real jam. Well, good morning from Calcutta. You got to slow way down. Four
1: oh, women, ain't they perfect?
3: Not always.
1: Yes, they are. They're perfect. don't matter if they're skinny, fat, blonde, or blue. If a woman is willing to give you her love, heart, it's the greatest gift in the world. Makes you make tall, makes you smart, make makes you your teeth shine, Boy boil boy, Women are perfect. My choice <laughs> for
0: the vice presidency is <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. Senator Dan <laughs> lonely watching television your troubles may soon be over that's because finally there's a tv that talks back to you kind of interactive tv doesn't really speak but there is a whole lot more give and take than with your average tube you
4: have, you have to be, be willing, willing
3: to
2: re we just had this very high stakes uh, showdown between neville sinclair and eddie valentine right and Uh, as we were talking about last week, um, Eddie Valentine says this thing as he's exiting the room.
0: What's a movie star need a rocket for anyway?
2: What's a movie star need a rocket for? We're all sort of wondering the same thing aloud. Neville Sinclair is very frustrated. He takes his sword, Christian, like you were saying, and he, he swipes the tulips and all the tulip heads everywhere. And he says, bloody amateurs. And uh, he hops on the phone here. He gets on a rotary phone and starts making a phone call. Mm-hmm.
4: And we cut and to another location that yes. is incredible.
2: God
3: damn,
4: this. Uh,
2: the camera cuts to this dark, dingy room of the person on the other end of the call and this individual is listening to some sort of operatic music it's classical vocalizing that we're hearing on the radio
3: okay so wait yeah let's let's break it down so we we see <laughs> the first the first shot that we see in this new setting is you know it's it's this frame where we have this amazing old-timey radio like this such a cool like 1930s radio and then we see this like faint pink light against a brick wall, like through like a, like a pane glass. There's a a,
4: window in this dark, dark apartment building or complex. However, obviously it is a tenement building right next to another tenement building as it is only viewing a giant brick wall and there is red light flooding through this short, small alleyway. And the only light lighting this whole scene is this odd orange reddish pinkish light it's like from pink outside neon.
3: I'm thinking to myself, are we in a tenement building or are we in like the cool, like the chill out room like in the basement of like a like a 1980s like New York City nightclub? Are we in yeah. are we in like like it, the downstairs of like limelight right here? Or what's going it literally
4: on? Here? I want to hang out um, in this place. It reminded me immediately of the Seinfeld episode where Jerry and Kramer are dealing with some <laughs> some <laughs> yes, place the builds the chicken place across the way that has this bright <laughs> red light and is just driving them insane that they have to deal with this horrible red light. No one can sleep. Check it out. Wow, Kenny Rogers'
0: roaster's finally open. Hey, look at the size of that neon chicken on the roof. (laughs) Rogers can't sell chicken around here. We got chicken places on every block. He is the gambler. (laughs) I'm (laughs) in (laughs) it.
4: What's going on in there what that light oh the red
0: yeah it's a chicken roaster sign that's right across from my window
1: can't you shut the shades
0: they are shut (laughs) oh by the way your friend
3: seth he stopped by
4: oh yeah what do you have to say he was
3: fired Basically, this character tries to get a tan and uh, overdoes himself.
4: (laughs) Yes, Um, this is exactly the scenario that this uh, 1930s person is dealing with some horrific (laughs) signage outside his house bathes yes. red light into his uh, apartment at all hours of the day. And he's, but it doesn't yeah I was he's say, tapping it doesn't, his hand. It doesn't
3: seem to bother him at all. He seems no. very at peace. Um, the first that we see of this new character is his very hairy, uh left hand um (laughs) this uh, is no hand model
4: we're being introduced to (laughs) this is definitely
3: not a hand model another seinfeld reference i've never seen hands
0: like these before
1: they're so (laughs) soft and milky white
3: you know whose hands they remind me of
0: ray McKigney. Ugh, ray he was it Who, who was he the most exquisite hands you've ever seen oh he had it all what happened to him Tragic story, I'm afraid He could have had any woman in the world But none could match the beauty of his own hand And that became his one true love You mean... uh... Yes He was not master of his domain But how... Uh... The muscles became so strained with overuse that eventually the hand locked into a deformed position and he was left with nothing but a claw. He traveled the world seeking a cure. Acupuncturists, herbalists, swamis, nothing helped. Towards the end, his hands became so frozen he was unable to manipulate utensils and was dependent on Cub Scouts to feed him. I hadn't seen another pair of hands like Ray McKegney's until today. <laughs> you are his successor. I uh, only hope you have a little more self-control.
3: You don't have to worry about me.
0: I want a contest.
3: <laughs> this is uh this is a, a definitely a real deal hairy hand uh, that is protruding from a uh, very. Thick, uh, you know, fabric—a uh, black fabric of a uh, of a coat uh, sleeve—and uh, we see just the the left pinky, uh, uh, the pinky of this left hand, just absolutely uh, going ham, jamming out to the Queen of the Night area. Uh, that would be from the second act of Mozart's opera, The Magic Flute, or Die Zauberflote. Sau- uh, if that is uh, the correct pronunciation. Um, yes,
1: I believe so. Albert okay. Uh
3: Die Flauta. <laughs> um Which premiered uh, September 30th, uh, 1791, I believe, in Vienna. Um, sorry, I months. just want to
2: say, Ben said this guy's hand was going, his pinky was going ham, abs- absolutely <laughs> ham, listening to this music. Folks, yeah. this is maybe three... <laughs> Maybe three or four little, like, like just little, little twitches. Little taps. Little, little taps. Little, little He's, taps. Yeah. He's
4: showing some amusement. We're to seeing this.
2: signs of life that a man is <laughs> listening to a song on a radio. Um, His
3: arm and hand are completely still frozen cl- motionless except for the one pinky that's actually like no i agree it's it's very it, impressive it, it's a talent for tr- sure if you try to put your hand still on like your knee or like on the arm of a chair for example and you try to move only your pinky without having the other fingers move at all?
2: There are four ways to strengthen your weak little bitch pinky. First, play power chords with your pinky. You probably play power chords a lot already. Use your pinky instead of your ring finger to play them and thank me later. Method two, use this grip instead of the Hendrix style grip. This grip has a lot of reach, this one doesn't. Method three, pinky isolation exercises. If you want a stronger pinky, you have to actually use it. Exercises like these are great for developing pinky strength. Method four! Once again, just don't shy away from using it. You've probably found yourself in situations where you know it made more sense to use your pinky, but you just used your ring finger instead. Next time you find yourself in that situation, just use your damn pinky. You can't expect it to be stronger if you never get used to using it.
4: Yeah, good Which luck what to you, doing. my friend, trying to do that, Chris. That <laughs> good luck like to you. you insane
3: muscle and tendon control.
4: Only 1% of people on TikTok can actually do this. Bend your middle finger and place your hand on a table. Now lift your thumb up, that's fairly easy. Lift your pinky up, only about 50% of people can do that. Now lift your index finger, 10% of people can do this. Now this one is practically impossible, only 1% of people could actually lift their ring finger. You can't lift anything else and your middle finger stays bent.
3: Sorry if my uh, voice was far away from the mic there because I was just backing up trying to uh, He was replicate. angrily
4: pacing around the room trying to defend <laughs> his description of a small pinky gesture as going ham. Hard as a going motherfucker for those that. that don't know. Yeah. Um, it's like the I sorta, I'll just say it's the sort of pinky
2: motion of like a like a song that plays the trumpet. Like like it you know, or like a piano player. Like it's, pi- te- yes, it's to have like the well, dexterity.
4: Technically, uh, to correct your correction as a trumpet player, you don't play with your pinky unless oh, you're right. playing a piccolo trumpet. If anything, Ooh. it's your pinky is dangling out in the wind because you don't right. have anything to do with it. Because it's just these the three. pinky is no. So your pinky is usually just hanging in the air uh, to correct, correct you on trumpet. You thought you were gonna get away with some trumpet bullshit today, Chris. Rungo. I grew up playing trumpet.
2: <laughs> I grew up playing trumpet
4: too, but uh, oh, yeah, I died, yeah, right? yeah, no. Did but all, I guess were we all trumpet players? I guess something? I'm oh think.
2: God. I guess what the uh, the thing about the trumpet the, I'm thinking is that the pinky's like extended up in it's, the air. It,
4: that's true. It's yeah. ding. It's dangling oh, out yeah. there in the wind. So it's possible mm. that this character at one point played left handed trumpet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what happens is, <laughs> anyway, as he's listening to this uh, opera on his radio and going ham with his pinky, a phone rings, and again. Incredible direction of this whole sequence of how we learn about picking up the phone is a dolly shot is set up behind this whole scene from behind the behind the character from behind the chair that we're tight on the radio and the phone rings and the dolly just goes behind the whole sequence until the whole frame goes to entirely black and we lose frame of what we're even looking at and it hands over to the right side where this, uh, obviously not hand model, uh, monstrosity of a dude, of a hairy dude goes to pick up a phone that is ringing, that is bathed in pink light from the outside chicken uh, stand and or target that is outside of this man's <laughs> house. This 1930s yeah. target, city target, is probably <laughs> bathing that red light into his room. And he picks it up and we hear the first voice of this character with a deep yes Yes
3: a voice that is somehow even more gnarly than those hands uh, <laughs> answers the phone um, Also I just love how like so calmly uh, as when the phone ring- first rings he the left hand very calmly reaches over to the radio to turn the volume dial down just slightly and then the, the that dolly shot just so smoothly you know, tracks over to the right. So we see the right hand picking up the phone and he says, yes. And then I love that we see, so in front of the phone, which is of course this awesome, sick looking old 1930s black, uh, you know, rotary telephone. We see a teacup on a saucer and a little plate of perfectly cut, I don't know what those are. What like are like, those? Finger, like finger sandwiches.
4: Sandwiches? Like, sandwiches? like, maybe, sandwiches. like, like cute, we're, cute we're talking classic Classic tea time, folks. This is uh, exactly what you would have at high tea. Do
1: you know the difference between afternoon tea, high tea, and cream tea? I got away with using those terms interchangeably until we went to England where I learned that there's a very clear difference between the three. And AP explained it in this comment. I'm basically just repeating it here. We're the Jane Austen Regency Tea Rooms and we're having afternoon tea. It's usually a three course menu and I noticed that we typically start eating from the bottom tier to the top. It typically has finger sandwiches or small bite-sized appetizers. Then you've got the scones or scones with clotted cream and jam. And finally, sweet little cakes. High tea is typically more of a meal that's served with tea. So I got high tea at one really popular spot in this trip where I ordered a truffle omelette. Keep your eyes peeled for that video. And finally, I find that cream tea is the simplest of them all. It typically spawns with jam and clotted cream, or sometimes butter, and it's served with tea. Well, all of them are served with tea. I hope that was clear.
4: These are little finger sandwiches. Little which, plate of finger sandwiches with the crusts cut off. Which I will uh, say, uh, this house does not appear to be that of a married gentleman. This does not appear to be a high-class uh, person with servants. No. This. This gentleman has made this little sandwich plate for himself. For which,
3: himself. This is a yes. man that believes strongly in self-care, in treating oneself to the little pleasures mm-hmm. and and little little delights. And listen, we love we love our opera with our tea and our finger sandwiches. And we just sit and Look out our, you know, glass window at the at the glowing pink uh, light, and uh, we listen to our Mozart, and we eat our finger sandwiches, and wait for the phone to ring. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but it doesn't matter. We're not bothered. We're just sitting and enjoying
4: our And opera. the incongruity between the scenes of everything that we're seeing is opera music. It's light and gentle. Little tapping finger. Uh, little finger sandwiches and tea. And then we hear the voice and it's, yes, it's
0: yeah. this yes.
4: monstrous voice that doesn't <laughs> compute with the other it's things so we're good. seeing. And what an entrance is all I'm going to uh, say. We, I don't know. It's this, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's the voice. It's the voice, basically. I, I wrote this down somewhere. I can't even find this note. I'm sorry I'm sort of jumbled everywhere. But it's really, truly like the voice of like, a frog doing like a dracula
4: impression (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. like it's yeah it's it really just incredible
4: and again it speaks to incredible introductions of characters in this movie because we do learn uh the voice on the other side of the phone is it turns out this is who neville sinclair was calling
2: yes
1: Yep. yes
4: Lothar, I've got another job for you. A condolence call. And, um, you know, this again speaks to that Neville Sinclair earlier did mention, haha, I want to go to the hospital for mm-hmm. checking out Wilmer. And Eddie, Eddie uh, Valentine basically slaps it space. his face. And Neville did say, I'm not, it's not going to be, that's not how I'm going to go. Yeah, and then we didn't cut, cut exactly to that in mind. No. So now we're getting a sequence of what is that job? Well, we kind of know based on everything we've been told thus far, is that Neville Sinclair is hiring this opera-listening, finger-sandwich-snack-munching, tea-time-sipping monster to do his bidding for him.
3: Yes, the fanciest, most sophisticated monster in movie history. (laughs) And his name is Lothar. And, of course, my (laughs) nine-year-old brain is going, Lothar (laughs) of the Hill People. (laughs) Lothar of
1: the Hill People. Lothar of the Hill People.
3: Lothar.
0: I am Lothar of the Hill People. Much have I seen and much have I done. Join us, will you not? For I am Lothar of the Hill People. (laughs)
2: But yeah,
3: this is just another incredible introduction. And I love this move because basically we just saw that Neville was not satisfied with the service that he was getting from the first round of goons that he hired. And even though he had agreed to triple the price and you know continue um, uh, his employment of, of Eddie and his boys he's like you know what just to be safe let me let me diversify my uh you know my 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 options here let me like hedge my bets a little bit and so we now have a third party in the mix yep. that is interested in getting their hands on this rocket we have of course the feds um who you know believe it to be destroyed but uh you know our course of are, are still uh, being directed by by Howard Hughes and the president of the United States to to do what they can to you know Make sure it's uh, to see if it's out there, and then we have the mobsters, Eddie and his boys, and then we have this mysterious third, uh, you know, kind of player in the game of uh, of of pursuing this this rocket. Um, And I just which is in the possession of P
4: V and Cliff, like right, which which all of these forces.
3: We're yeah. chasing after... We're just layering TV in income. more and more participants in our proceedings here.
4: And uh, we we go right from this very short sequence to what's up with the rocket? Where is it? What's what's yeah. going on with that thing? Meanwhile, back at the ranch. We go back to a giant field in the dead of night. We see just a hammer spiking a rail tie into this field with a chain. And the chain is attached to the recently stolen Charles Lindbergh statue's uh,
3: <laughs> The foot. toppled Lindbergh. Well, that's waste.
4: Yes, the toppled Lindbergh, the collapsed empire of Charles Lindbergh. I take the threat very seriously. Is, has a chain <laughs> chain to it. And we see uh, PV is fastening the jetpack to the back of this wood statue of Lindbergh. Come on, Peavey.
3: yeah do we think that's a good question do we think the statue is wood what exactly i mean we'll we, see later what, you know what we happens we actually know it's wood
4: we actually <sighs> learned it was wood based on uh there's two reasons one when we hear the sawing earlier mm. it was wood it is actually a wooden statue good point <laughs> you can't saw through metal nope i thought it was going <sighs> to be metal and there's actually another line that what's they, the, what's the other reveal there's another reveal that I remember being like. They actually describe it as because
2: uh, I love the idea that first of all, doesn't matter whether it's wood or not. But I this is this podcast, so we want to know whether it's wood. And I yeah, love I'm that like, the answer. I love bronze? that the answer is I believe it's wood because it sounded like wood when they were sawing.
3: <laughs> I will say that when they later on no spoilers, but when they reveal the end of the scene, what happens to the, the head of the statue. It looks more like a, I don't know, almost like a clay type material. I know, Maybe. I know. You know what Maybe it looks like? like Christian? Wood on the inside, but there's like some kind of a metal coating. I don't know.
2: I mean, I and Ben, you'll know what these things are as well. But like Christian, have you ever been out to Big Bear? Or or been yes. like yes. Have you, like like when you're out going Those to, wooden
4: bears yeah that have been like carved but, from giant redwood trees. Have you ever
2: been to like Lake George or something? Mm. You're like going to a lake and you see all these giant bear statues like for sale outside of a shop, and they're mm-hmm. wooden. They're these wooden bears, but they're like covered in this like lacquer, right, to weather protect them. Yeah, coming up, we're going to carve an incredible sculpture out of a huge tree. With a chainsaw. That's what this statue kind of looks a bit like to me. Like it has some, mm. like if it's wood, it has some sort of like coating on it maybe. Yes, right,
4: right. It, it, is, it is wood. I remember, I'll forget.
3: Cousin seems very convinced. Uh, I mean, no, he's, he's, he's
4: hell bent on it being. wood. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was bronze. Statue. I thought it was bronze, but it's it's not. Like I remember being like, oh, it's I mean, most bronze. statues it, are
3: bronze. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the it,
4: most statues would be bronze, but I remember, um, for whatever reason, and this will be on my corrections episode because I know oh, I did the research. You better believe it. <laughs> and we'll we'll get to the bottom of what is what materials. It would make more sense for it to be bronze, but. Uh, Fundamentally in my bones uh, for some reason <laughs> woods wood. It's a wood it's material wood.
0: <laughs> I acknowledge that mistakes were made here. I
1: accept that responsibility
0: and uh, he's right mistakes were made And I'm frankly not happy about it No one is blameless here. It cost so much money to pay for these campaigns That Mistakes were made here. Uh, there may be a situation here in which a serious mistake was made. Clearly mistakes were made. There were mistakes made in Iraq for sure.
4: Now we right. get this stake and uh, what's amazing <laughs> is PV sets up the jetpack rocket onto the back of this Lindbergh statue and they go running away. There's a some kind of mechanical wire that would be connected to dynamite. Attached yeah. to this rocket pack, and PV and Cliff joyously, joyously like boys, run and go diving into a ditch. Come on, Peavey.
3: Yeah, they In like scamper, like happens. they're they're like they're like ga- gambling. Is that a word? Uh, uh, across the dirt, galloping,
4: uh, galloping. Yes, the, they're. They're yeah they're kind of like stomping and they're both wearing just um, uh, mechanics overalls so they're both Mm. just in this uh, brown again both of them are in brown and and what I think is really great about this sequence in general is the way it is lit is exquisite and it is dead of night you don't see anything in for miles around which speaks to that we are truly nowhere close to a city at this point there Mm. is not a single house light. All we see is this, uh, you know, for the movie's sake, a floodlight, flooding light into this open uh, field, this brown field. The statue with the really bright, shiny silver jetpack and these two brown suited men diving into a brown ditch. And it makes the reveal for what's about to happen all the more incredible. (coughs) The PV... Flips the switch, and we see what's flooding the light as they jive, drive into the ditch. What is flooding light? It's Peavy's truck.
3: Yeah, the headlights of the truck l- are The
4: headlights me. of the truck are lighting the whole P. scene, and exquisitely uh, lit by the cinematographer, and exquisitely set down by Had anything to do with the scene. So, what happens? Also, Boom. They also, flip I have, the switch. Can I ask maybe
2: a bit of an obvious question? Or, not an obvious question, but it's. Okay. What is the purpose of this? Well, they're doing oh. an experiment. They're doing a test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what happens. They, but like, the, what the are they? What, is... what are they? What are they actually doing? They want to see, hey, if we put this pack on a man, would he fly yeah. in the sky?
3: They want to make sure. that... us let's, like, let's,
2: sh- let's make sure yeah. if we tie him down with a chain that he doesn't yeah. fly away. But, we don't want
3: him to fly away because we, you know, ah. we, don't, we don't lose this object. But we want to make sure we want to see what happens. Just to be we'll... clear,
2: Cliff is like. If we put this pack on a man, could he fly in the sky? That is essentially yes. what this yes. is about, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Let's do an experiment where we find something that is of roughly equal size and weight to a human man. And, uh, see how of it goes. They, yeah, and, and see what happens. Maybe it'll explode. Maybe it won't even lift off the ground. Maybe, maybe this rocket isn't powerful enough. Maybe it'll be so powerful. There's a huge fireball, and the legs are burned off. Who knows? Like, yeah, I think they want to
4: know, they're they're just, wanna know they're, they're, would it they're, explode. They're trying to do
3: something. Yeah,
4: they're trying to see like if I put this on my back before I do it. And you know that Cliff wanted to just do it. This is oh, PV being this like this is full on hey. PV
3: being the responsible part. Yeah,
4: PV yeah. is responsible for Cliff, and he's like before you strap this thing on. Okay, we're yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. we're gonna let's just do one
3: in. test run first before we so, go, you know, head first into this.
4: So, PV flips the dynamite switch and it triggers Yeah, I love this little handle
3: pack. like that he I forget what those are called, like the little like um prong that he that he has to like kind of pull down. And I yes. just noticed, I think maybe like for the first time, like around 1846, 1847, there's like this little blue spark that flashes when he yes. um, when the connection, you know, hits to uh to basically spark to ignite or somehow, you know, like uh, uh, oh yeah, set off the the rocket yeah. pack. I love that little
4: blue spark. And instantaneous because we get the first shot is actually the vantage point of we see Cliff and PV looking with great anticipation and childhood joy about what's gonna happen when that little blue spark flicks. Then yeah. it cuts to so we see a flicker of the blue switch as PV does it. then it immediately cuts to and I'm talking frame by frame like this is a credit to the editor. That we go right from one one actual sequence frame of blue light, cut to behind PV's head, and we see the blue light More continue. More blue light. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's looking so it's from behind the gentleman's perspective, looking purely at this rocket pack. And what happens? An enormous flame comes bursting out. It honestly you know it's a huge huge burst of flames and the rocket pack goes up oh. into the sky and It'll we start so to see a man good. fly.
2: We were talking the last time with the rocket pack about just the the practical way that they went about using it and choreographing uh all all the like blocking and choreography it was just like really beautiful and authentic and stuff and you can see if you go through frame by frame that they very clearly in the field in these rows have some sort of smoke and explosives. So yeah, the like pack a- the pack seems to be shooting like light And if you look at the feet of the statue, he's like standing right in these little rivets, these rows, these in the bean fields. And it's very clear that those are rigged with like smoke and explosive sort of looking effects
4: to create the illusion that there's this big explosion. But what's incredible is I think the rocket pack that's designed for this movie, a version of it is functional that actually has flames bursting out of it. We've now seen it several times that I'm like, yep, that, that contraption can actually fly. And I think, again, the authenticity of why I believe any of this movie, uh, why it holds up is at every sequence at. in which we learn more about the rocket, it's done with practical effects. And what, what we see here is a, really a very well thought sequence the where oh, no, the me, no, burst of flame no, flies up here. and we see into the night this uh, Charles Lindbergh wood statue, bronze statue, one day we'll learn uh, in the bonus pod episode. <laughs> uh, the jetpack flies into the night. And we cut to just the chain is tethering it to the ground. And now the rocket man is twirling in the night, which yeah. from a practical standpoint, you got to assume there's a crane that's attached to this, just swooping it in circles. And they're filming it from down low. And it looks like it wants to jettison to the night and it's barely being held by this rail tie. And it's yeah. it's loosening. It's loosening.
3: The physics of this the like more I watch, the physics are so credible and convincing. It looks so like I'm trying to figure
2: out like. Wait, so Christian, do you think that this mannequin, the statue, is being propelled into the sky by a yes by an actual pack? Because I'm I, I, no, I, no, no, I no I'm going to take I it think, the other way. I think there is no, I a think string a string is holding it. Yeah, I yes. was going to say I think there's a string on the statue's scalp. And no, it's no. so dark it's you know this is shot in the middle of the night it's so dark that if they have a very thin wire you would never be able to see it
4: no that yeah. that i believe i i think practically that's how they're doing the sequence yeah, yeah, but yeah. i do think the jetpack on the back of it is actually projecting real flames, shooting at flames that are shooting at the base of it and together that makes the sense. practical jetpack plus the practical effect of a wire pulling this thing into the dark night sky that you don't see and swooshing it all around And also it's pulling against this rail tie is just proving so valuable for me, audience member watching it to believe, yeah, this rocket plaque can actually make a man fly. It it tethers me to the story, how they achieve showing how this thing works. We first see it bounce around the hangar by itself. Now I see it attached to a man shape and I actually believe, yeah, a person could fly if they put that on their back.
3: It's a literal and figurative tether, yeah, uh, tying me to the 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 suspension of disbelief that I need, uh, and it 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 does it. It pulls it off. Yeah. Um. I don't know exactly how, but it just looks awesome. And the reaction face shots of Chris and Peavy, <gasps> uh, of Cliff and Peavy. Um, yeah. Um. Sorry, <laughs> Chris. Of Cliff and Peavy when they it cuts back to them and they just. Look at in each other's eyes with, you know, Cliff is completely mouth agape, uh, <laughs> wide eyed, and uh, and and PV is and gives him a little mm, like a little like uh, eyebrow raise. I can like, tell you, you as know, as an actor, mouth.
2: that's real. Uh, that is real, like awestruck. That is just like, oh my god, we are in the middle of a field in California with a crane holding a mannequin. Like that is the same sense of awestruck. Like I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Yeah,
4: um, it's it's totally closer and closer to the rail tie. They keep sequencing this where we keep seeing the rail tie going around and around. The 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 physics propel it, you know, in this like circle. It's, It's being ripped out of the ground by the uh, and and. Our character Cliff Secord sees this and yeah. tries to run out of the ditch and uh PV well, wait, holds so, him back. Sorry, real quick, first a great line from Peev.
0: Well, I'm looking at it, but I don't believe it.
3: <laughs> well, I'm looking at it, but I don't believe it. Which I just had to drop in there because That's I love true. That, it's I love it's uh
4: you know, P V is this really grounded practical mechanic. Cliff is the High in the sky, daredevil. And right. even PV, the skeptic of this thing, is like, I can't believe this thing works. Yeah, He's it does seem away. like
3: in this moment he is convinced of something that he didn't didn't believe before. Um yep. and like this test is kind of like confirming you know cliff's crazy hypothesis that like no 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 like we could put this on a back on our backs and, and fly around Come on. and like this is the first time that pv is actually convinced that this could be possible yeah and let's yes.
2: just again pour one out quickly for james horner here because the music underscoring mm-hmm. all this is mm-hmm. so playful and whimsical and this is not the perfect analogy but do you know how the music in jaws Always, sort of, this like teasing the audience, like something could, go, something could go wrong, something like could, yes. like we are on the verge of danger, something bad could happen. There's a sort of, sort of, uh, there is a sort of um, a sense of 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 like folly and like like something really crazy could happen. And mm-hmm. sure enough, we are intercutting with these shots of the the stake in the ground being yanked and yanked and yanked, and we're listening to this music, and we're like oh, my God, you know, this thing could this thing could blow. This could be really bad.
4: And, and sure I, enough, I think you you we had talked about it in our very first podcast episode that the arguably one of the most important characters throughout this whole film is the music. And oh, I yeah. love that clip you pulled that talked about James Horner saying how the studio executives when they saw a rough cut without music, wanted to chop it, chop it, chop it, chop it, make it faster, faster, faster. And he said, give me a second. Let me add music. And the second he laid in music, it does add exactly that quality you're saying is that it's. Emotionally, like as the stake is getting pulled out, the the music starts to swell in intensity. Yeah, which and it, it kind of hits the head when eventually it gets loose and flies off into the night. And it just after it, so it's interesting. It, it there's big horn kind of burst from James Horner's score it goes bump a bump bump a bump, and then we just see this thing fly off into the night, and the music stops, and we just hear a little bit of strings just slight strings that are just why it's just teasing something is coming and mm-hmm. both these guys go ah we lost it we lost, we lost it, it. Um, and PV I says I have hmm. it Cliff says we yeah. lost it I told you I should be have tested it Kansas myself now, PV goes ha, yeah you'd be halfway to Kansas by now you shout her head and <laughs> shout as out. they say that <laughs> the music again just swelling yeah. just swelling something's coming yeah, so what's coming, yeah. boys?
2: So they try, you know, before they are able to secure the the statue down, the stake down, the stake is is ripped out of the ground by the force of this flying machine, and the statue and the flying pack they shoot into the si- in, into the sky, and I am just totally beside myself like looks like that's it Move yeah over. i'm like, just no way this, at this point i'm just out. like y- you you fucking guys blew it like yeah there. i think just shot like you, 20 miles away yeah there's a shot at 19 minutes and 17 seconds we just see the night sky literal stars it's outer space and all i can think is yeah well it's gone now like this was yeah. fun you guys had a winning <laughs> lottery ticket and you just <laughs> yep. fucking you blew yeah. it.
3: You blew it. You thought a stake would it. remain in some dirt. Like, like what you the guys, hell?
2: you blew up a few. You you blew up an oil truck, a gas truck. You were <laughs> in the hole. And you were gifted a flying rocket pack that you could do anything with. You could make all sorts of money with it. You could... Could have been a golden goose. Yeah, could have been the golden goose. Could have been the golden, like, the winning lottery ticket. And just like that, it's gone. And
4: the way... I want to continue this idea that, like, we're that little James Horner thread line, which is a a violin playing a very high note, one note over and over and over, and kind of like a dissonant... There's a little bit of a dissonant sound. These two violins or three violins are playing. Kind of the same note, but it sounds a little off. And what's interesting is when the the rocket comes back into frame, it's from behind PV and Cliff as they're looking off into the night sky thinking it's lost forever. And we see a flicker of the light from the night sky. We see the stars. And what do we see? It looks like, oh, is this like a flying comet? No. And the way we're reintroduced to the rocket coming back to planet Earth again, James Horner deserves so much credit for this, is a descending scale
1: that Mm -hmm. we actually
4: hear that high note of the violin start to drop lower and lower and lower and lower and lower until it hits lower notes. And as it's descending, so is the rocket. And that is so evocative of making me understand what's happening. The music is telling me this rocket is descending and coming back and the music's getting more intense and eventually cymbals are crashing Mm -hmm. the music is telling me that it's descending and getting dangerous and close.
2: It's insane. I mean, the guys are commiserating about losing the pack. And yeah, like Christian, you said, like I see what honestly appears to be like a piece of lint or dust on my computer screen. I was Mm -hmm. like squinting the first time I saw this. And then I'm squinting again, again. And no, it's not lint. It's the rocket pack. And it is Mm -hmm. making a beeline
3: for the guys. It's a little tiny flicker of light in the distance. Yeah when we first see it again.
2: It's making a beeline for the guys in the field that comes crashing to a halt in this
4: bean field. It comes just Like a rocket. By. Like a true, yeah. a true rocket. It smashes into Earth in the way the comet would smash into Earth. We yeah. see it plowing through the field. Like, this thing doesn't just land in one point. It, Smashes into the ground, all the flames bursting. Dust is blowing up and just smashing in until it hits its final mark and it burrows head first into the earth. And this thing is still flaming out the back with Charles Lindbergh's little legs, his little impressive history legs that we'll learn more about the history of Charles Lindbergh in the future on the bonus pod. Yeah. And it's burning. And these two boys come bounding out of the, uh, Of the little trench they've made for themselves for protection and come to shut it off. in that little whirr, that little whirr, we hear it yet again. We get the whirr. The shutdown whirr.
0: up the whole
2: valley. Pick her up. Come on, let's get out of here. Hey, guys, it's Chris. Wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that The Rewindables is now on Patreon. If you love what we do and love what we make and you want to help us keep this podcast independent and ad-free, obviously it's just a labor of love for all of us. You can help us out by going over to Patreon.com slash The Rewindables. Patreon.com slash The Rewindables. There are three different tiers of membership, each with different perks. It's the simplest and easiest way to support all the movie deep dive podcasts that we create. Becoming a Patreon gets you all sorts of perks with bonus podcasts and content about The
4: Rocketeer. And I was sitting there eating a cupcake and I look up and I was like, is that Rosebud from Citizen Kane? And yes, it was. (laughs) office he just has rosebud. you also
2: get access to swish fm plus which is the irreverent basketball deep dive podcast that i do with ben so if you're in a position to help head over there it's greatly felt and appreciated patreon.com slash the rewindables you sign up you'll get a private podcast feed where all the bonus content with the uh, free episodes will be delivered every week patreon.com slash rewindables now back to the show
3: and yeah, thank you for reminding us that uh that I, maybe this is a bit of a reach, but I did want to just note that uh you know when when we see that thing first, you know, uh break free of the of the uh, stake and, and fly away into the night sky, you're like, "Oh, that's it. It's it's gone forever. We're never going to see that again." But of course, we have to remember who's the who's the guy wearing the the rocket pack right now. It's good old Lucky Lindberg. Lucky, Lucky Lindbergh. Lindy and uh just like the real Charles Lindbergh, you know, he came he came back to earth and he uh he uh he was able to, you know, complete complete his journey safely. Um and uh I also love just as they're running, uh, you know, when we see the the rocket bearing down on them from behind and they're running in the field, it kind of is a little uh maybe this was unintentional, but to me it looked like a little homage to uh north by northwest, you know, with the the crop duster because they 'Cause they're they're running and then they have to like dive down um, you know, in order to not be hit by the uh by the rocket as it uh, comes back down to earth uh, behind them. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, they're they able to, to dodge it just barely. And then it... And then it happens. You know, Cliff, Cliff, into yeah. The...
2: Yeah, Cliff has this idea and he says, "PV, you'd pay to see a man fly, wouldn't
4: you?
0: Boy, that must have woke up the whole valley. Pick her up. Come on, let's get out of here. Yeah. Peavey. You'd pay to see a man fly, wouldn't you? Ah! You've got to be out of your mind. Look, I'm talking about making some real money here, Peavy. Not just 10 bucks a show, but enough to get us back on our feet and into the Nationals. See your eyes painted on, Clifford. This seems like strapping nitroglycerin to your
2: back. Peavy tells him, you know, forget it. Forget this idea. This is stupid. And he says, I'm talking about making some real money here. Not 10 bucks a show, but enough to get us back on our feet and into mm-hmm. the Nationals.
3: I love it. He does not want to be a superhero, folks. All this guy wants is to make a little scratch to get his plane back together so he can just fly and win some races. That's all he cares about. He doesn't want to be a hero. He doesn't want to fight Nazis or gangsters or save the day. No, he just wants to get back on his feet and go back to what he was doing before all this started.
4: Yeah. Which now, is PV P V rightfully says, are your eyes painted on Clifford? This thing's like strapping nitroglycerin into your back. Besides, yep. the, the feds are mixed up in this. Yep. And Cliff says a great line. I don't want to keep it. I just want to borrow it. For a while.
2: Yeah, PV's warning he... him about stealing, you know? He's like, you know, the yep. feds are in on this. Look, I'm talking about making some
0: real money here, PV. Not just 10 bucks a show, but enough to get us back on our feet and into the Nationals. See your eyes painted on, Clifford. This thing's like strapping nitroglycerin to your back. Besides, the feds are mixed up in this. I don't want to keep it. I, I just want to borrow it for a while. Clifford... When you borrow something, you don't tell nobody. They call that stealing, you know. Just a couple of weeks. As soon as we can afford a new plane, we'll give it back. I swear. Lever, did you see what this thing did back there? You're always telling me what a genius you are, Peeve. Fix it.
4: You know, I think what is, again, very playful little music, um, kind of, again, reinforcing this father-son dynamic where the son is this hot-headed like oh look at this amazing to this little toy that we should play with and pv is like are you insane you're gonna die mm. doing this everything we just saw tells you we're gonna die and this film has so many incredible uh character uh reveals item reveals the way we learn about the rocket the first time is incredible and i think that there's another needle dropping line here that I love, which is when they're running across the field with this statue, they've just pulled out of the earth because they have to flee the valley because they know they've just caused a scene that everyone has seen this thing flying all around. Uh, We see them get back into their car. They're basically hustling to go back in the truck to drive off into the night. So they don't get caught. And, and this is when cliff says, you know, you're always telling me what, you know, he says, uh, Cliff says, just a couple of weeks. As soon as we can afford a new plane, we'll give it back. I swear.
0: Lever, did you see what this thing did back there? Well, you're always telling me what a genius you are, Peeve. Fix it. We're going to need one hell of a lawyer. I think we're going to need a helmet.
4: Mm-hmm. Peeve, he says, we're going to need one hell of a lawyer. And at this point, they tip the statue up. And we see that the head, the wood or bronze head, is completely maybe, collapsed. Maybe clay. In. I don't know. Maybe clay. We the don't know. Out of, we don't know. And it's completely it's collapsed in. And Cliff says yeah. what I think is a needle dropper of a line. I think we're gonna need a helmet.
3: hmm Because the head, like half of the head is gone from the yes. from the crash back down to earth. And
4: and the iconic Art Deco poster for this film. You know that this film is has the coolest looking helmet known to man yeah. and they're teasing it right here. I think we're gonna need a helmet.
3: Yeah, it's such a beautiful little seed planting moment of like like yeah, just just giving the audience a little 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 tease like yeah, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. We're not going to give it to you yet, but you know it's coming and we know how much you want to see it. Um yeah, it is uh it is just brilliant. I also just love Getting back to Alan Arkin and his incredible work, um, the way like I feel like when he's most in his like father mode, the way he calls Cliff Clifford is just uh, just so so like uh, I don't know like heartwarming um, and and it's just so perfect for his character to like you know when he's really kind of trying to you know uh, like parent him basically you know he doesn't call him Cliff he says are your eyes painted on Clifford. Or he says, Clifford, when you borrow something, you don't tell nobody. They call that stealing you now. Yes. And uh, it's just a, a beautiful little, uh, father son. you know, like, yeah, a, a kind of affect. Like, you know, the, the character's name is Cliff, but there's only one guy in the whole movie who calls him Clifford. And that's his, you know, his peeve. And,
4: and map guy is coming back yet again to tell you <laughs> my final map fact that I think these boys have covered their tracks really well. We know that they are actually located in the valley. Uh, They're in the Sepulveda Basin region based on the signs we saw earlier in the film. The Lucky Lindy statue is stolen from Miracle Mile, which means they drove south of the mountains to go to Chaplin Airfield to saw down the statue. Now, why would they do that? Because they don't want to steal a statue close to their house. They don't want any connection to where the where they could have come from. So mm. stealing a statue from 17 to 20 miles away makes a ton of sense. Then they drive back up to the Valley because, uh, Alan Arkin does say we probably broke, woke up the whole Valley, but we know they're not in their own cornfield because they are in the middle of nowhere and they don't actually want anyone to know, have any connection to Bigelow airfields or where they came from. So it for me is a great moment that just, again, these boys have covered their tracks. Um, and they are are doing a great job that the feds are not going to find them. The mobsters are not going to find them based on this test that they just launched.
3: Also, if you need to topple a statue for one of your science experiments, uh, make sure that it is, a, it is a statue of one of uh, history's greatest monsters, uh,
4: Charles <laughs> Lindbergh. Yep. which we will get back into in our bonus pod. Why is he a monster? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we will reveal. And is he a monster or is he a hero? Uh, On episode 740, stay tuned for the Rocket next week. Yeah, stay tuned for next week's back. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie.